This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. Bum, 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 Welcome back, everyone, to Lila's Lessons. I'm Madison, and today I am joined with Kyobi no Kitsune. No. Uh, the Fox and the Hound? No way. Lila. Yes. Finally. How many times is it going to take you? Anyways, this is Lila's Lessons. Today we're doing my favorite animal, foxes. Yeah, actually, you know, it's really funny. It's a two-parter. You and Jared did not plan this, but because I do both Lila's Lessons and Through the Ultra Wormhole, I'm doing foxes back-to-back. We got double foxes, all the foxes, every fox. Yay, foxes. In boxes. I'm wearing foxes. I don't think they go in boxes. That'd be cute, though. Dr. Seuss. Anyways, uh, we're going to begin here. We have so much to talk about. So, Lila, what are foxes? Well, they're mammals with very, very thick fur. Okay. What else? They are a type of canine, but they look more cat-like. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they, they definitely have relations to dogs. Uh, they're not close relatives to dogs. We know that. And, in fact, there are many animals that are considered not true foxes because even though they're named fox, they are not related to the fox family. The, the uh, what is it, vulpus or vul- vulpine? They're not canines. Well, no, they're canines, but they're not vulpine. So, because I think some of them, one of them was like the bat-eared fox you showed me, and I think that one is more that related to That one's ancient. Like a, I don't remember. You showed me a lot of foxes, but I remember a couple of them are more related to jackals and maybe, oh, Wolves. it's a gray fox. Gray fox, that's it, yeah. So here's my question. Where do we find foxes? They live in every continent except for Antarctica. Yeah. Now, that said, back to what we said, there are no true foxes in South America. There's the gray fox, but it's not a true fox. It's actually more related to like a jackal or wolf. So different branch on the evolutionary tree. We we know that convergent evolution, which we've talked about on Pokey Science many times, uh, and I think we have an episode in there is when two animals uh, that are separate branches in the animal kingdom end up with the same traits or characteristics or adaptations. uh, And that's kind of what the gray fox is. Yeah. So what makes foxes special? Tell me about it. Because you pick this, you love them. Tell me about them. Some can hear better than dogs, even through thick snow. Yeah, they can hear tiny movements of, of small mammals underneath the snow. and hone in on them and arctic foxes hunt by listening for lemmings under the like thick snow which it's hard to hear through it's not you know and they jump in head first Aww. they're cute yeah so what um, else about fox what else makes them special some have seasonal camouflages like arctic foxes change colors in the winter and summer seasons yeah again it's those adaptations so that they can blend in um, you know, Arctic fox having a concealing uh, camouflage, and if I'm not mistaken, the the summer coat would be considered disruptive camouflage. No, is it concealing? I don't remember. No, it's not disruptive because there's no stripes or stuff. I guess it is considered concealing then. Look at me, see, hanging out with this kid. She knows more than I do. So what else? What else is awesome about them? Um, they're um they're omnivores, so they eat pretty much anything. Yeah, bugs, trash. Actually, when fruit. I was making notes, I made a list of all the things all the foxes eat. Okay. And it goes on for like an entire page. <laughs> Can you give us an example of some of those things? 
Um, did you know that Arctic foxes eat eggs? I did not. Now I do. What else? And red foxes sometimes eat turtles. No, I mean turtle soup is delicious. Mom. <laughs> All right, what else? Well, I don't have my notes with me right now. I can go get them. No, we're good. I just wanted to know if you remembered. No, you did take really great notes. You you rocked it. I've had very little to do with these episodes lately. So you, you've been kicking butt. I'm really proud of you. So what else can we tell about foxes? Like what? Well, actually, I'll do the next one because I know the next one from working with Jared. I know that they're highly, um, highly adaptable. And I mean, at this point, they've kind of taken over Australia. There's, and we'll talk about that later, like 7 million of them. Didn't you have a story about foxes? I do. We get to the end. Yes. Okay. So what else makes them special or unique? Uh, they they have underground dens, and sometimes they take abandoned dens left behind by other animals. Yeah. Anything else? They have a lot of noises to, that they make. That is true. So the fox, literally, what does the fox say? Everything. It can go between high-pitched screeching, yaps, barks even. I remember one time in college, uh, my old roommate and I heard what we thought was uh, someone being, like, hurt, and it was just two foxes. Some, someone screaming, but it was just foxes. Yep, yep. Well, also, and I know you told me this, they wrap themselves in their tails kind of like a coat yeah. to insulate themselves and keep themselves warm. Not only Arctic foxes do that, pretty much any fox Regulating your body temperature and ensuring that you stay warm during cold periods is, is a great adaptation, for sure. Even fennec foxes do that sometimes. Interesting. They live in very hot environments. Uh-huh. So, I do want to talk about domestication. And we talked a little bit about this, and we watched some videos. And I know that your uh, soon-to-be stepdad was more than happy to share a lot, because he's a big fox fan, just like you. We have paintings that we all painted on the walls all he paints is foxes <laughs> yeah he paints a lot of foxes it's not all he paints he does a lot of real life stuff yeah but mine's all abstract <laughs> i do know so there's a few things to talk about uh i tying back to paldea uh in the iberian peninsula during the bronze age there was domestication of foxes uh eventually it was kind of let go and Dogs, wolves were kind of selected uh, more consistently because of their willingness to work with people where foxes are not always wanting to follow directions or (laughs) do what you ask them to do. No, they're kind of uh, the exact opposite of that. (laughs) They do what what they want to do. But, you know, current domestication is a thing. There are people who do have foxes and, you know, I know... uh, I think it's a silver fox is a domesticated form of the red fox. Mm -hmm. But they, as pets, you know, they pee everywhere. And apparently their urine just smells terrible. It's like supposed to be one of the worst animal urines out there. They scratch on everything because, you know, they like to dig. So they try to do that in your home. So if you have hardwood floors, your floors are going to be ruined. And they chew on everything. They're not not always the best pets. Yeah, you don't want to have one as a pet. All right, well, we're going to move on. Let's talk about the Pokemon because we have a few. Now, I do want to give a preface. We're not talking about Eevee. You know, Satoshi Tanjiri himself has said that Eevee is not necessarily a fox. More of Eevee a... is not really a fox. They're kind of just a cute mix between fox, dog, cat. Yeah, that's that was the actual design idea. I guess when it was being pitched, 
they're like, let's just make something that's adorable and has characteristics of several different animals and will be rememberable. That's Evie. So what we are going to talk about, though, let's get into it. We have Vulpix and Ninetales. And additionally, we're going to do Alolan Vulpix and Alolan Ninetales separately. Uh, we have the Fennekin, uh, Brakeson, and Delphox. We have Nicket and uh, Thival. And we have Zorua and Zoroark. So let's Zora. talk. Let's talk. Let's start with Vulpix. What can you tell me about Vulpix? What is it based on? Uh, red Fox. Yeah, why do we think that? Because it is red and brown, but the Alolan Vulpix is white. Yeah, so the Alolan Vulpix and Alolan Ninetales we were saying are based on... Arctic foxes? Yeah. Why? They have white camouflage and they live in the snow. Yeah, just like an Arctic fox. Now, Fennekin, uh, Brakeson, and Delphox, they're based on what? Fennec fox? Why? They have very large ears and a yellowish coloration. Which matches the fennec fox, which is a desert fox, also known as the desert fox. Uh, you know, large ears to help prevent overheat because you're, you know, pushing the heat off your body and the yellow coloration to obviously blend in with the sand. Uh, now we have Nicket, and we're going to do Nicket and Thival separate for this part only. So Nicket, what, what are we saying Nicket's based on? Um, it's from the UK. Yeah, red foxes that are found in the UK, and we'll talk about the cultural ties to that in a little bit. What about Nicket? It's seen as a problem. Yeah, in the UK, um, foxes are not necessarily seen in a positive light in all regards, uh, you know, because they quote-unquote steal. And thus, Nicket and Thival's connections to thievery, and their deck entries talk a lot about stealing, too. Uh, and I think back to my class and I, for the first book we read this year, we did Fantastic Mr. Fox by Roldal, which is literally a story about farmers trying to hunt a fox for stealing their food, who then tricks them and steals all their food anyways. We're saying Nicket's shiny coloration has a different connection. What is that? Um, a silver fox? Yeah, so the silver foxes are actually just red foxes, uh, but they have been domesticated, and the fur color uh, tends to be more blackish silver, which kind of connects to Nicket's shiny coloration. Uh-huh. Now, Thival also has a red fox, but we're also saying it has connection to something else too, right? A cross fox. And so a cross fox, just like a silver fox, is another variation of red fox. It is a melatonistic variation of the red fox, as in it has more melaton. Uh, and it, But a cross fox tends to be reds and black. It has a combination of the two patterns. Last, we have Zorua, which we're saying is what? Kasune. Yeah, Zorua is connected to a kitsune, which we'll talk about later. Um, it's a magical creature from Japanese folklore. Um, it looks fox-like. Yeah, but they can also turn into humans. They're illusionary. They have magical powers. You know. And they can have nine tails. Yeah, well, there's a lot of connections to kitsunes, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. So let's talk about the actual Pokemon and their adaptations, right? Mm -hmm. What are Vulpix's adaptations? I know the first one we're going to disagree on. Vulpix can shoot fire, which is not an adaptation at all. I think it's a great adaptation. And I want to be clear, the dex entry says that, that it can make these fires and control them and even make Will-O-Wisp. But if it can shoot fire, then it doesn't only hurt the prey, doesn't it? Can't, can't it, like, burn down the entire forest? Well, it says it can control it because, again, Vulpix and Ninetales, being Gen 1, do have connections to Kitsune's as well. So it's almost like that spiritual 
Like I can make these little fire spirits essentially. Anyways, what else, what else can Vulpix do? That is a great adaptation. It ha- has a reddish coloration that can help it blend in with its surroundings. That's true. Yeah. It can regulate internal temperature. Um, it makes fire inside of itself. Yeah, so it can literally control its uh, internal temperature by creating fire inside of its body, uh, which is great at night. You know, if it's cold, not going to stay cold. And there's one other adaptation that we think specifically with Vulpix. It can dig just like a fox. Yeah, foxes dig and Vulpix can dig. I think that's another great adaptation. You know, not only can you find prey, you can find places to live. Because not all foxes... Uh, you know, necessarily take abandoned dens. Some of them make their own dens, and red foxes definitely do dig. Now, nine tails. I'm going to do separately here. What are we saying about nine tails? What what makes the Cantonian nine tails? What like adaptations? It can curse people who grabs its tail. Yeah, great adaptation. People don't want to touch you. They're going to leave you alone. Its tails have supernatural powers. Yeah, they have all sorts of magic. Again, relation to that Katsune. Great adaptation. You know. You can do magic, you can protect yourself, you can find prey, all that great stuff. What else? It has mind control powers. Yeah. It has psychic and ghost type moves. Yeah. It can essentially, you know, uh, use these magical abilities to trick prey or kind of kind of spiritual for sure. Any other adaptation? It can live for 1,000 years. Yeah, for sure. Great adaptation. The longer you live, the smarter you are, the more able you are to learn how to, you know, out-trick opponents and so forth. Alolan Vulpix and Ninetales have concealing camouflage. Yeah, for sure. That white coloration blending into the snow, harder to find. What else? It cools itself off with ice in the heat. Yeah, again. Great body temperature regulation, easier to survive in different, you know, environments and so forth. What else? It lives in skulks, helping each other. Yeah, they live in skulks. Skulks are like uh, groups of foxes. So it, again, it's, it's another behavioral adaptation where if you live in a group, you are able, more able to survive, find food, find resources and so forth. What else? It can manipulate the temperature around it. Yeah, and now, you know, again, like, great adaptation if you're an ice type and you walk into a sunny place. It freezes threats, and nine nine tails will leave people out of the mountains to get them away from their den. Yeah, I, I mean, it's easier to get something away from your home and not have conflict than to have to defend it, for sure. Great adaptation. Um, And they can create blizzards. Which, again, goes into not only the temperature manipulation, but also camouflage. Awesome. Awesome, awesome adaptation. Move on to the Fennekin family. What do we got? It eats twigs. Yeah. And it can create heat from its ears up to 309 degrees Fahrenheit. Great adaptation, right? Yeah. Also, though, let's be real quick about the twig. Not a lot lot of animals like to eat twigs. Uh, They're not very nutritious. Uh, and they're hard to digest, so anything that can should be considered an adaptation for sure, because eating wood is not necessarily rich in pretty much anything. Carpenter bees like it. Yeah, 
Yeah. They're, they're, well, there. I mean, there are definitely animals that do, but it's not a very common, especially in mammals. It uses its coloration to help it blend in with the sand, and it uses twigs as tools in battle. Yeah, when it breaks and when it evolves, it does that for sure. It has psychic magical powers. Mm-hmm. And it can see the future as Delpha. Yeah, seeing the future, what an awesome adaptation. You know when something's about to attack you or try to run away. It can create a fiery vortex up to 500 degrees Fahrenheit as the fox. And 500 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm pretty sure if anything else went in that vortex, they would not survive long. For sure. Definitely great way to get rid of anything you don't want around. That said, next up we have Nicket and Thival. And they definitely have some very different adaptations, right? They have soft foot pads to help it sneak around. Mm-hmm. And it, it steals food from other Pokemon, so it doesn't have to hunt its own food. Yeah. So, again, like, this is another adaptation. It may not look like an adaptation, but when you are able to get food from others without doing the work, it means you've used less energy to get the, you know, the calories you're consuming. It erases tracks with its tails. Yeah, so its predators can't follow it. And it marks targets with its scent. Yeah, which we know foxes do mark stuff with their scent. We learned about that when we are talking about domesticated foxes, that they will definitely mark their scent everywhere. So great connection, actual application. You can go find your prey when you've marked it. And it bites. Definitely, definitely great adaptation, having fangs for biting and stuff. Great adaptation. So we have our last one, which is Zoroa and Zoroark. And Zoroa and Zoroark really does connect to Kitsune really well. You know, these mythical creatures that transform into people or other animals. They're known for being tricky or cunning. Zoroa and Zoroark can transform into other Pokemon and mimic their camouflage for defensive reasons. Yeah, so like mimicry, remember it's when we looked like something something else. Uh, Think of like the Viceroy butterfly that looks like a monarch. Great, great defensive capabilities because Zoroa does not want to fight. What else? It has amplications for the ability to trick others in addition to hunting. Yeah, all sorts of things you can do with that. It can transform into people and can get others to meet its needs by looking like a child. Yeah, they they uh, there are connections to this to some of the uh, folklore around creatures known as changelings, which like are said to replace kids. One of the deck entries says if a talkative child all of a sudden stops talking and is very quiet for several days, it might have been replaced with a Zoroa. It has dark coloration that is helpful to hunting at night. Mm-hmm. For sure. Anything else? Zorba's colorations help it in the mountains, and they live in packs. Yeah, the, the Hisuian Zorba, which is the one you have a plush of, definitely has a coloration that makes it perfect for the mountains, which is where it's found. And living in packs means uh, you're, you know, deal with threats a little bit better. Zorba has sharp claws and can make hundreds of people see its illusion at once. Yeah, trick one person, great. But tricking everyone, awesome. Great adaptation. Definitely helps you get away when you need to. So that said, we're going to talk with our closing. We have a few different things, right? Conservation. Yeah, there are definitely some when it comes to one specific fox, right? Climate change impacts Arctic foxes more than we could ever know. Yeah, we watched some videos on that and we did some reading on it. Inconsistent temperatures are not triggering the color change gene. So Arctic foxes are staying brown in the winter and white in the summer. 
Yeah. Which makes it easier for predators such as polar bears to hunt them. And it also makes it easier for prey to spot them. Yeah. So their their hunts are also less successful. So it's all sorts of problems here that are happening. Uh, and, you know, while scientists have said they, they think over time the Arctic fox will adapt. Climate change is happening too fast for them to adapt right now. Yeah, and it definitely will impact their numbers, for sure. Now, that said, we did also want to talk about animal cruelty, right? Fox hunts are now illegal in Scotland and ways in England. It is legal to do them in Northern Ireland, though. Yeah, so, and again, like, fox hunts, I know it's an old practice, but while it is illegal in Scotland and Wales and England, it is still legal in Northern Ireland. And one of the things to note about fox hunts, you know, is that this is a cultural practice, and there are even connections to it in the game. Thievold's Dex Entry talks about Goldhound, you know, being used to hunt it, because they're natural enemies for that reason. And it definitely has impacted other things which we'll get to here at the end. Uh, what about silver foxes? Silver foxes are bred in for their coats. Now they are inbred, they have massive health issues. Yeah, like their uh, teeth are not fully developing sometimes, or they're having issues where their teeth won't cut gums. And it's literally because they are being inbred so much for the coloration of their coat to be used as fur. And um, that is something to, to just be aware of. Um, the last one I'm going to do, because you don't know this one. I know this one only because of Jared. And if you want to learn more about it, listen to this week's uh, Through the Ultra Wormhole, please. Because Jared educated me and it was a great episode. Didn't you have a story to tell? I'm going to. I'm going to do it both right now. So uh, red foxes are non-native to Australia. They were brought there by the English as they colonized the continent. And they were brought there specifically for fox hunting. So brought there just to be hunted. Uh, however, their population has grown way beyond anything that is manageable. Uh, it is a, something that is considered to be a need to be addressed by the Australian government. Uh, there's somewhere around 7 million red foxes or so living on the continent, and they don't really have predators that hunt them, and they definitely have taken out a few species of small animals. So it's definitely something to be aware of. And yeah, no, because you and I were driving through town yesterday, and all the voting signs are up. And I told you about there's an, there's a ballot initiative in our town to be allowed to hunt deer within the city. And again, not like in the country and farm, but like within the city. And we were talking about that. Um, and it kind of ties into what I wanted to talk about with red foxes, because hunting them was a solution that was considered by the government and was used for many years, but it did not have any real impact on the numbers and i'm thinking about like our town that is trying to do that with the white-tailed deer and i just i don't know it makes me wonder because like i i don't think it's gonna do what people think it's gonna do no because deer sure they may be annoying but they do help a little bit well and i mean this i mean in the length of time i've known your other mom i've watched this city i mean so not to age myself i so think that's 16 years <laughs> um but like i've watched this city grow like they've we've added two elementaries in this city since i've you know known it it's you know it's an issue that we're encroaching upon area that they used to live and now people are like well why are they here and it's like well they were here 30 years ago so why did you think they wouldn't be here today something to think about food for thought so that said thank you so much for coming and checking out this month's lives lessons we hope you come back for the next one bye